0: Hello, and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock, and this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join me as I discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst my diversity as a member of Christ Church. Well, as you can tell, uh, this is gonna be a little bit different of an episode. You know, this isn't the first time this has happened, but it's just me today. You're stuck with just me and my nasally head cold voice. On this fine Sunday evening as I record, schedules have um, whatever the opposite of the stars aligning is. That's what's happened with our schedules this week, but instead of just posting an older episode, uh, even though we didn't have time to record together, I had some time that I would could do knock this out by myself, so we decided to go ahead and do an episode that's new, but it's just one of us, so it's kind of a compromise between an episode that's got both of us, but it's old, so, you know. Let us know if you've got a preference for future times where this happens, if you'd rather just you know, hear an old one, uh, or if you prefer new content, even if it's different and less conversational and less uh, perhaps dynamic than we usually are when we're both able to be here together. Regardless, um, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about something that's been on my mind sort of in different forms. It's sort of a culmination of a few different things that has been swirling in my head over the last couple months, few weeks maybe, um, through some of the different projects I've got going on at school, some of the papers I've written, some of the um, things I've been reading and the things that I've been thinking about recently um, have kind of, I don't know the word, they've, they've mixed up and they've kind of given me this idea of something to talk about that um, I think could have some pretty, uh, practical implications depending on, on where you're at and, and hopefully, uh, will at the very least be, um, you know, providing some, some things to think about that might be helpful for framing the way we think about, uh, the gospel, the way we think about uh, the Christian life, um, and how our theology intersects with all that and really, um, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the best way I can sell and justify me doing this is, is, uh, <laughs> it's, a uh, fulfilling our mission as a podcast. At least it is in my head. So Um, yeah, I'm going to read from Romans chapter six, which is which has uh, in recent months rapidly become one of my favorite passages of scripture. I'm going to read verses one through 14. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. So in Romans 6, which comes, you know, sort of approaching midway through the letter, Paul has been making his case since the beginning of Romans that Everybody, Jew, Gentile, um, you know those who follow the law, those who don't follow the law, those who possess the word of God, those who don't, we're all sinners. And the only hope for us to be saved, to be justified, to be made righteous is um, not found in ourselves. There's no way that we can stand before God and give an account for our own justification, which is why... We turn to God in faith, and that's why God sent Jesus in order to do the justifying that we could not do for ourselves. In chapter seven, he'll say that that uh, he condemned sin in the flesh in Jesus, and this has been witnessed to all the way back. You know, it's not a new idea that Paul's coming up with, but we've got we've got Abraham, um, we've got the the witness of the law and the prophets that have been pointing to this the whole time. We are saved by faith, right? And what is this salvation? It's something, it's being made new. Um, in 2 Corinthians 5, we read that that whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. And we see the same idea in Romans 5, the chapter right before what I read, where we've got the old Adam and the new Adam. The the, the transference from the kingdom of darkness that, that we are born into as children of Adam into the kingdom of light that we are Made into citizens and, and members of uh, by being joined to Christ, and then he gets to chapter six, and we've got this magnificent, um, really, I would say, just just taken out of context. It's really just an amazing summary of the message of the gospel. Taken in context, it's this crucial point where where Paul is 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 recognizing the. Uh, the impact, the actual impact of being saved by faith. We can talk about being saved by faith all the time, but Paul here is kind of enumerating what that actually means for our relationship to sin. Right? Shall we uh, continue in sin that grace may abound? Because he just got done talking about how much grace God showed in the face of sin. He says no, and and it's 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 not the case that. Well, God forgives sin, God shows grace to sinners, so the more we sin, the more grace there is. Sounds kind of, you know, absurd, but, well, I mean, it is absurd, but it might be something that somebody thinks if they just hear the first part of the message, that you're saved by faith. It's nothing you do. It doesn't matter what you do. What you do has no bearing on what Christ has done. The way that you the way that you obtain what Christ has done is not through abstaining from certain things or doing certain things or fulfilling certain commands. It's through faith in Christ. And and that's that's the gospel, the grace of God poured out condemning sin in the flesh, like I said, that we participate in through being united to Christ. But that, that means something more than just a recognition of um, the errors of the past and a regret for our own sin and a trust in Christ's uh, work on the cross and in, in the resurrection and then sort of just remaining the same, right? Uh, perhaps you grew up in churches where this phrase was used or, or you know, maybe this was a phrase that uh, was was criticized in, in churches you've been in, but, you know, come as you are, right? Come as you are and I think that's, that's great. We, we, we do come to Jesus as we are, but there's always this critique that we don't stay the way we are. And I think that that kind of thing is getting at something that that Paul's getting at here in Romans 6. And the reason I think this is important, the reason I think that this matters, sort of the connections to some of the thinking that I've been doing, is we, we hear about preaching the gospel or we talk about preaching the gospel. We want to see lives changed by the gospel. We want to see people come to know Christ, come to faith in Christ. And if we don't have in mind some kind of transformation. Language Paul will use later in Romans, some kind of um, renewal, being transformed, being conformed to his image, right? There's, there's, a, there's an encounter that happens in, in faith, right? There's an encounter that happens where um, we die to sin. How can we who have died to sin, Romans 6, 2, still live in it? Verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, right? We, we, we were buried, therefore, with him into death. There's this encounter that happens where we are sort of united into this one moment of Christ's work, but it doesn't stop there. There's this, there's this implication for what comes next. And I think that's super important because if we're, if we're walking through things like addiction, habitual sin, Things that I'm sure everyone listening has has dealt with, either in themselves or in in loved ones. There's a real sense of like, what is this? You know, how do I overcome this? How do I counsel someone to overcome this? Or something like death. I'm working on a, a little project on on the 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 liturgy for for burial in the Book of Common Prayer, and and re- reading through the the history and also just the text itself. It's it's this amazing picture of like. Raising the, and, and, and I think, answering the question, what does it mean for a Christian to die? And not only what does it mean for the Christian who dies, but what does it mean for everybody else? What does it mean for their loved ones, their church, their community? Um, what does death mean in the life of the Christian? Because we still die. We still experience death. We still experience the, the effect of Genesis 3. Um, we're not uh, instantly plucked out of it. And yet we're, we're changed because we are buried with Christ into his death. We're not the same we have this encounter but there's this st- there's this ongoing result that I want to think about, which is there's more to it than being th- th- than being forgiven. It's not less than that of course and that's not to, to minimize or denigrate what it means to have sins forgiven. but it doesn't only cover the past. It doesn't only deal with things that you can remember or think of, or you know, could be, you know, made record of and then brought before you in in a court as charges. Um, there's more to it. There's there's more to it for all of the time that we live in this life. Post <laughs> burial, so to speak, post encounter with Christ. Right? We are we are dead to sin. Well, what does it mean to be dead to sin? Well it means to be joined to Jesus's death. It means we are buried with him into death. And what is death for Jesus? It is a it is a doorway, right? It's it's not the end the way that it that it is for for humanity under our own power. We're we're buried with him into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So what does that mean? We we get a new like, okay the law doesn't save us. We're we're sinners. Doesn't matter if we're Jew or Gentile. Doesn't matter if we are um, religious or non-religious. We are we are sinners. We we un, we come to understand God's law and we recognize we cannot fulfill the law. The law cannot save us. I cannot justify myself. So I turn to Christ in faith. Well, what is what, is, what happens then? Well, I'm, I'm united into his death through baptism so that I can walk in newness of life. So I come out of the waters of baptism and I'm given a new law that this one I follow, right? I I, I don't steal. I turn the other cheek. I tell people about Jesus. I, I fulfill all, I check these boxes. I fulfill this new law. and And that's what it means to walk in newness of life. To me, that seems like Maybe a, a pitfall that we can fall into, especially when we're trying to teach youth or, or children. Um, it it might be like sim- simple or, or it might be natural to us to think, well, you know, I have to live a certain way as a Christian. And while that's true, there's a difference between living a certain way out of an obligation to a law and, and living a certain way because your life has been renewed, newness of life. Walking in newness of life doesn't mean, you know, doing good things and avoiding bad things. It means being transformed because if, as Paul says in verse 5, we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Something new happens to us, something changes in us, not that it's disconnected from the past or that our post-conversion life is, is a different life in the sense that we're a different person than pre-conversion, but in the sense that we are made a new creation in that 2 Corinthians 5 sense. We are no longer left in the state that Paul, you know, opens Romans by describing in the first couple chapters, estranged from God. Our inheritance as children of Adam and Eve from Genesis three. We are we're, we're no longer left in that state. We we are. I'm still me. You know. We're still the same people that God created us to be, but we're actually being renewed and conformed and transformed to be the kind of person to be the person to be the individual to be the Christian that He made us to be. That He made all people to be. And that's that's resurrection, right? That Jesus actually resurrected and his disciples actually thought, you know, oh, this guy's a ghost or oh, you know, we don't we don't recognize him. He he walks through locked doors, you know, which Jesus doing miracles is nothing new, but there's this there's this even though it was Jesus of Nazareth, the the man who's walking around after the resurrection, there's something new about him. And that something new is is that he has been resurrected. He is the first fruits of our resurrection. And that's what we're joined to. Because we died with him, because we died a death like his, that means, you know, the, what does it mean to be like him in death? Well, he didn't stay dead. He, We get to join in with his resurrection. We, we receive, we are united to a resurrection like his. And this is where I think we need a little more theological imagination when we think about the challenges and the struggles that we see in our communities, in our world. Think about okay, you know, I live in such and such a city. There's this problem with with violence, this problem with with crime, this problem with inequality. Um, you know, these environmental damages happening. These uh, people are struggling on the streets in this way. How how do I you know how, how do I go about making a difference? You know how can how can we as the church be a force for transformation in the city, right? Well, okay, we, we need to preach the gospel. Um, and we need to be administering to people's spiritual needs as we minister to their physical needs. And I think for me, I can kind of get stuck there where where that's, that's the, that is the correct answer, but I can get stuck on what that looks like. I can get stuck on what that means. And I think a passage like Romans 6 is helpful in sort of blowing the horizons up or, or, or widening the horizons of how I can, I can, even if I don't know what it looks like in this particular situation or that certain place or in that person's life or this person's life, I have a little bit more capacity to imagine that when people encounter Christ, they change, they are they are transformed. And I'm not I'm not saying everyone is going to respond uh, in faith the instant they're first exposed to the gospel or the story of Christ. But what I am saying is that when people have, through the Spirit, an encounter with the risen Lord, they change. They are changed by God um, as he unites them to his Son through the power of the Spirit. And what I want to argue is that that is the beginning of salvation. That is the beginning of the Christian life as we grow into holiness and being like I've mentioned, more and more transformed and conformed into the image of Christ. And that means we're not enslaved to sin. We're no longer we we're, we're still going to sin because we are not yet fully glorified uh, in perfect communion with, with the Trinity in, in, in paradise yet. That, that, a day will come when we will experience that existence, but it's not yet. So we will still sin, but we no longer have to, as Paul says, present our members uh, to sin as instruments for righteousness. We now have the the possibility is opened up through our relationship to Christ, which is no which is not just a relationship to a separate person, but it's a relationship to a person who we have been united to, we have been made members of. We are His body, and we are able because of that new relationship that comes about by our being united to his death and resurrection, we are now able to present our members to God as instruments for righteousness, which is something that we couldn't do before, that we can't do on our own. We can do good things. We can even obey things God tells us to do. But what we can't do is be justified. We cannot be in the proper relationship to God which only comes from being united to his son, and that's what that's what this this passage is talking about. And the result is that we have newness of life, we have freedom from sin, we're no longer slaves to sin, sin no longer has dominion over us, right? Which again is not to say that that I, I don't I don't think at least that people can get to a point where they no longer will ever sin in this life. But people do grow in holiness. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of those around me. And I, and I know the power of the Spirit working through faithful Christian people. I know what he can and does do. And the thing is that what this is all getting to is a recognition that the Christian life, the Christian faith, the gospel, both in the abstract but also in the sense of the preaching of the good news to people um it's not it's not abstract right it's not theoretical it's not something that happens in our brain it's not some kind of math problem that we figure out that that we we get the right answer to right the reason the gospel is relevant to everything from The natural cycle of birth and death that human beings experience to the uh, structural and individual social ills that we experience in our life here, in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our schools and work. The reason that the gospel has any relevance to any of that is because it's not about ideas, Or I should say, it's not merely about ideas, right? We need to root the Christian faith, our faith, as individuals and as communities of faith. We need to root our faith, our preaching, our teaching, how we live, how we talk about what it means to be a Christian, how we encounter the scriptures, how we organize our lives around things like the good that we do for those around us. Um, you know, we're in Lent, the classic things that that we can do like prayer, fasting, and almsgiving um, that 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 orient our lives to to service and love of neighbor and God. you know the the reason we do those things, the it's it's not to get our minds right. there 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 are propositional truths that need to be understood. And they need to be properly understood and defended. We, we, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that that we're big on that, right? We're big on on properly understanding and defending the the, the truths of, of who God is and who we are and and who His Son is and what's been revealed to us. But at the end of the day, what it means to be a Christian is is, is to be in relationship to a person, and that and even that I think from in my own personal experience can 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 be a very pious and nice sounding abstract concept but the fact of the matter is Jesus Christ is the living lord he's risen and and he 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 is not alive in a theoretical sense he's actually alive and he and we are actually joined into him we 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 aren't joined to doctrines about him or we aren't called to just agree with what he says or agree with the things that, that we know are true about him. Obviously we, that, obviously we do, but at the end of the day, what, what the gospel is is a call to die. And when Jesus calls you to die, he raises you from the dead. We know, Romans 6, 6, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, might be abolished, erased, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we know, we believe that we will also live with him. Right? We, we have been identified with Christ in our reception of his life and work, death, resurrection, ascension that's communicated to us that we experience and that we participate in. It's real. Salvation is not theoretical, it's ontological. It doesn't have to do with, with with concepts and ideas floating around in our minds, that we just get in the right order, we reject the right things, we accept the right ideas, we, we communicate what we say according to the right formulas. That's not what it means to be saved. That's not what it means to be a Christian. And at the end of the day, that's not going to change who you are. Certainly not going to change who you are at the level that being united to Christ will. But our actual being, our essence, what does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean for me to be a human being? What does it mean for me to be me? You know, at, at, at the most basic, bottom, metaphysical level, that's what salvation is dealing with. Who am I? is a question that can only be answered for the Christian by talking about Christ, the living person who was born of a virgin, lived in in obedience and submission to the Father, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, descended into hell, rose again according to the scriptures after three days, and ascended into heaven to come back, and his kingdom will have no end. That is the person who really exists, who we actually, like. I, I wish I had better words. We've we've really, in the, in the in the true sense of that word, truly, at the at the very on the on the level of being, we've been transformed by being joined into him. So when we're talking about things like like poverty, we're talking about things like the pandemic. We're talking about things like when loved ones die. Uh, those who fall asleep in the lord when we're talking about what is you know what when 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 you get laid off and when you're at at the end of your rope in whatever arena of life that you're experiencing it's it's not it's it's not a cliche to say that in those moments that that's where jesus is for you that that's where Jesus will comfort you that's where the gospel will heal you what what is a problem is if we think that means i just have to remember the right quotes from the bible no it means what is the bible it's god's word to us and that is the witness the 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 divine witness that is to who jesus is and the reason that people can say that in your darkest, you know, whatever dark moments you're experiencing or whatever struggles you're going through, the reason that someone can say to you, not in a uh, dismissive or glib way, but but they can say honestly that, like, Jesus is the one who to, to run to with all your problems is because he's really, the gospel is really relevant for all of those struggles that we are not able to overcome, that we are not able to solve on our own or that we're not going to be able to completely get rid of no matter how hard we try. He he can, you know, and he will finally one day. And until that day, we're not left alone. You know, we're, we're not left alone because we've been united into his death and his burial, which means we are going to be united into his resurrection. And that means that Jesus actually changes you. So yeah, you come as you are, right? You come to the waters of baptism as you are, you know, to, to use the language of Romans 6, but you die. And that means you're set free from sin, which means you you don't stay as you are. You know, don't want to be too corny, but um, I think it's helpful. And I don't really have much else to add. I know I've been blabbing for a while now, and uh, I get really jazzed at this passage and, and some of these ideas. might have been a little scattered today, but... Um, if you stuck, if you stuck with me, if you stuck with it, I hope that you, you found something of 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 encouragement or that provoked some thoughts. And um, you know, we'd love to hear what what you thought. You know, I just want to thank you for tuning in, um, especially if you made it this far uh, for for today's episode. Or uh, you know, maybe you're not listening to this because you saw it was a solo episode and you didn't want to tune in. But thank you for tuning into our other episodes anyway. Um, if you want to connect with us. You can find us at Doxology Podcast on Twitter. You can send us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love your feedback, your questions, ideas for future episodes, uh, or something else. Just no matter what it is, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to connect. So until next time, I'll see you. And I'm excited to be back next week to full force, both me and Jens, bringing you some fresh episodes. So until then, peace.